I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. There's something that we should be discerning based upon what's been happening the past few years, which if we were to allow it, this could be seen as a good thing because this is the most prime opportunity. Crisis is the most prime opportunity for us to acknowledge where we have been too rigid in our own thought behaviors. Keep going deeper in asking the questions of what does this mean? Who am I? Why is any of this happening? That everyone is Ben Joseph Stewart, and he is a filmmaker, an artist, a musician, and he's made such projects as The Esoteric Agenda, Chimatica, Ungrip, Psychedelia, Limitless, Waking Infinity News, and so many other amazing pieces of work, including the recently released Waking in the Dark, which he filmed with Aubrey Marcus. In this episode, we talk about ways that we can rethink the situation that we're in. Over the last three years, in all of the narratives that we've been told, how can we think about what that means to us? How have the power structures are preying on our amygdala? We talk about how we can translate news stories internally to see how they affect each of us differently. We talk about the importance of the gut. We talk about the importance of posture. You know, this is the type of episode that every single person should listen to because we get stuck in ruts. We get stuck in thought frameworks. We kind of, you know, have a hard time using our own discernment and better judgment to navigate these choppy times. And in this episode, Ben, just it's one mind blower after another. I know that you are going to absolutely love this episode. Ben is a really fascinating person and he knows how to think. He knows how to ask really important questions. And that's what we do time and time again through this episode is really take a hard look at uh, challenging our assumptions. And that's something that uh, I know I need help doing. And I, and I assume that if you're like me, you also need a little bit of help with that too. Asking yourself, even though I thought this about myself yesterday, who am I today? constant re-emergence of our sense of identity and how we think about the world, I think is such an interesting practice. I really hope that this episode helps you expand your mind a little bit, the way that you think about yourself and the world and the news and the narratives that we're being told, because part of optimal performance is optimal thinking, optimal discernment, judgment. You know, this stuff is really important for us to just basically keep our head on our shoulders. As always, you can go follow me at real Sean McCormick on Instagram. You can find Ben at benjosephstewart.com. He's got tons and tons of amazing content that you can just like go down the wormhole and just really see how Ben presents amazing information and beautiful music. So I invite you all to go check that out. He's also working on a project coming up that I think you'll find interesting. You can find episode archives, discounts on biohacking equipment at seanmccormick.com. That's my website. And if you're interested in engaging with me one-to-one, I offer a free 30 to 45 minute life strategy session, a coaching engagement designed specifically to help you move past the barriers that are getting you stuck right now. So take me up on it. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Ben Joseph Stewart. Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in.
And I'm here with Ben Joseph Stewart. He's a filmmaker, a musician. It's, a, it's, it's really a pleasure to have you on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You know, th this, this podcast is, is focused on performance and focused on how we can be the best people that we can possibly be through biohacking, through nutrition and fitness. Where I want to go with you today is more focused kind of on perception and culture. The, the first question that I want to start off with is, you know, the, the last couple of years have been an opportunity for us to learn some lessons and make some adjustments in our life. I'd love to hear your ideas on the lessons that we maybe should have learned or can learn about our own bodily sovereignty around health, around medical freedoms over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, uh, so my whole perception on life in general is we, we, we discover or uncover as well as invent our own meaning. So as the past few years have gone by, I would just hope that people have heard enough information outside of their comfort zone that it causes for them to to acknowledge that there are other realms that we can dabble in. And, you know, I put that extremely simply at first, and I'll start teasing that apart. But what I basically mean by that is I noticed that in times where especially the news starts attracting more people in and the news starts doing more of what it is just, I, I think it's put there to do, which is reach the amygdala and cause for you to feel like, well, I need to watch this because I need to know whether or not I'm safe. It's the same thing that the eyes do evolutionarily. You can go back to hunter gatherers. If something's moving in the woods near you, you want to zero in on it. And that's what the news does in a new, more modern way. And it does it with, you know, buzzwords. It does it with catchphrases. It does it with thumbnails. Um, and that's really what I see. The biggest epidemic that I'm seeing out there is it's a psychological news-based epidemic. Because for the most part, if you take a look at the, like, the actual danger of COVID, I know that some people probably, you know, won't appreciate me saying this, but if you if you just look at it in numbers, there were more people, uh, at least if you're looking at children, and this is just one statistic, there are more children that died in 2019 of the flu than in 2020 and the first half of 2021 combined with COVID. And I know people would say, well, that, you know, it's something that targets more of the older <clears throat> elderly community. You know, but the bottom line is, is when you really look at the danger of it, then you also look at what happened, the, the I should say the relatively low danger of it, but then you look that it nearly demolished um, mom and pop businesses, small businesses, millions went out of business. Um, a lot of people homeschooled their kids because they just didn't agree with masks. The The main thing that I noticed was a lot of people were getting willingly getting hung up in tribalism and you may hear about tribalism and tribalism may not trigger you as long as the people you're talking about are speaking the same language as you and so i started noticing that i started voicing my opinions about you know what i thought was happening in the world 
And I was lumped into a camp that was like, all right, all right, you're not left, you're not right, you're just a conspiracy theorist, so go away, you don't belong in this conversation, we're here fighting, right, and you're just mucking it up with all this talk of like, there being a higher order to it. And when I say conspiracy, I, I don't lean on the, the old ideas of like, there's one Illuminati and, the, and there's no difference between countries, there's only one agenda and it's top down dominated. I don't, I think I did believe that at one time, but I believe that like, if that were more true, there wouldn't need to be so much effort and attention put onto psychologically driving where culture goes. So what I started to notice was that this is like, there's, there's something that we should be discerning based upon what's been happening the past few years, which if we were to allow it, this could be seen as a good thing. Because this is the most prime opportunity, crisis is the most prime opportunity for us to acknowledge where we have been too rigid in our own thought behaviors. Um, if we don't know, if you don't know like what tribe or what camp you belong to in times of crisis, just look at those people who are speaking the same language and you'll start to understand. So for me, what, what I started doing was really trying to find where's the, the bridging language and topics that cause for people to, you know, on either side of a left-right debate or whatever it might be, the, the anti versus the, the pro, any of, you know, any of the things that people have been talking about. I, I think the opportunity here is to acknowledge what in all of this, how, how do we zero in on the problem? I think we've been zeroing in on other people who are equally brainwashed just on the other side of a certain aisle and zeroing in on a problem doesn't mean that you have to find an enemy. I like the Charles Eisenstein way of looking at it, which is there's this old story, which is us versus them. And, you know, what makes you a part of a clique and a group is finding there to be somebody outside of that group, the them, that is the problem. So identify the boogeyman, identify the enemy, and wage all-out war against it, and then you annihilate it. And we've supposedly done that in the past many times. So why does the problem always keep coming back? That is what I would like to point out to more people, is that do you notice when you whack this mole, it just pops up? out of another hole. You whack that one and it pops up out of a yet again, another hole. And we don't seem to see that it's the same pattern over and over and over again. So instead of being like, it's not my problem, it's all these freaking moles that keep popping up out of these holes. If we were to pause just for a beat and take a breath and say, okay, if I were to take a look underneath like what is the world beneath the world what's the pattern beneath the pattern that i'm picking up on here it's that i keep falling into the tribalism of yeah let's rally the troops or let's get the angry mob with pitchforks and you know and um torches and let's hunt down that one problem you know so you're you're rallying everybody against the witch right or the you know the the blasphemous whatever it might be the heretics and you're going after them. And then you have just enough of a moment where it seems like they're gone that you get this endorphin rush 
And then you get this serotonin feeling like, oh, I'm satisfied. I got what I wanted. And it's the same thing in politics, the left right thing. Every time the left wins, it's only temporary until they start losing again. And then they get up in arms about it. The same thing with the right. So I guess the discernment that I would be looking for here is can we identify the largest issue that we're dealing with is the way we decode what we're picking up from primarily, and I mean 95 to 99%, not even face-to-face conversations, but online social media driven Mm -hmm. stories. How we translate those messages into the way we perceive reality, I would say is, is the core of the problem which means that each and every one of us has the, our own personal responsibility. And I hold everybody accountable, not just the elite, not the 1%, not the rich white male. I hold everybody accountable for acknowledging what makes me want to rise up with my pitchforks and find the boogeyman and annihilate them and then not realize when it just comes back with a different face and I'm the same mad, I'm the same angry, I grab the same pitchfork and I go after yet another thing that the media or social media is telling me to go after. That's probably the, the number one discernment that I would like people to see is like, let's, let's start not pointing the finger of blame back at ourselves, but laugh at the cosmic joke for a second. The cosmic joke is it keeps happening over and over again. And if you were to think, if we are in a simulation, because some people are like, you know, we coded ourselves and our real true higher self is looking at this avatar and most of the time just shaking its head like, ah, oh, you're not, you're not <laughs> figuring this out. It's simple, man. It just keeps happening and comes back with a new face. Like when are you going to realize it's all you laugh, you know, th- realize the joke of it. And the joke is, There's real skin in the game, for sure. There's real threat in this world, and you can lose your life. You you can make decisions that harm other people. So don't take it so flippantly that, you know, oh, it's it's just a game and, and nobody ever gets hurt. No, realize that you are also here to learn. So there there's a, a bit of gravity to the decisions we make. But then again, acknowledge that man, like I've been, I've been repeating the same pattern. And I think that's where people's anxiety and depression is coming from because there's a part of our consciousness that is awake to the game, but our awakened consciousness keeps overriding it with such seriousness and anger and fervor and buggy eyes saying, I know who the, who the, you know, the real tyrant is. And the finger is always pointing out there at the simulation Mm -hmm. somehow. Well said, right. You know, if you're pointing your finger at the government or you're pointing at your finger at your neighbor who doesn't wear his mask, you know, then, then you're, you're constantly externalizing this, this, this issue. Today's episode is brought to you by bio pro plus i love this stuff it has made a major change in my life in my metabolism in my mood in my ability to put on lean muscle mass and feel as powerful as i want to feel BioPro Plus is the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful, expensive, and invasive anti-aging and hormone treatments. Before you do TRT, before you start taking a bunch of herbs that may not make you feel the way that you want to feel, you should try this. You can go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. 
you know, you know that a sponsor is a hit when people who have purchased it reach out to me and say, holy cow, Sean, I try this and it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. It makes me better at everything that I do. I love having sponsors like this that really make a difference in people's lives. And this product is, it's absolutely incredible. It's growth factors and amino acids that will help you improve your hormones, become better at everything that you want to do. So go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. The hard, the sort of paradox that I've, that I've found, and, and, and we've, we've, we've dived into this conversation with a, this topic with a couple of other guests, this idea that in order to enhance that discernment, in order to get to a place where you can take a step back, have a laugh, uh, and, and then, uh, have the ability to see what's really going on inside of you and how that manifests externally is you have to be rested. You have to be high vibration. You have to be able to hold two ideas at one time. At least you have to optimize yourself so that you have, so that you're calibrated to do that type of discernment work. And it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's tough because we're, uh, we are stressed out. It's tough because we watch too much TV and eat the wrong food. We're overfed and undernourished. We're, we're, we're drinking too much of the wrong water. You know, we're, we're, we're starved for nutrients. And so it's hard for people to get to the point where, okay, I feel rested. I feel clear. And now I'm going to do this hard work of, of uh, seeing how I'm participating in this, which is, which is, which is tricky. So on that note, what are some of your practices or what are some of, what are some, some ideas that you can maybe provide people so that they can elevate their vibration to be able to do that, that discernment work for themselves? For sure. Um, I'll start with the most practical first. You, you mentioned diet. And I think that if you take a look at social media, especially on Twitter, and you see the angry mob mentality, I can almost guarantee you that who's yelling at you through that screen is their microbiome. <laughs> it's not even their intellect. It's their microbiome. It's their diet. It's their posture. It's their breathing patterns. And these are, the, these are the core ones that I'll stop on just so I don't go off into infinity with it. Because it, again, there's, there's this issue with isolating it too much and saying like, you know, oh, well, it's just this or it's just this. But I mean, if you, if you think about it, as you just said, you know, you pick a fruit off a tree within a day, 50% of its nutrients are gone, maybe more. You know, and and so what do we do? We we pick them when they're not even ripe. So as they're shipping across the country, they you know they start to ripen in the truck, and so we we introduce a lot of these things. Um, we implement these things in between stages where like evolution prepared us to be able to just pick something off of a tree and eat it, and that's us closest to nature <clears throat> and then so we can see that orange and say oh that looks just as fresh as if i were to have picked it off the tree we have to introduce these new things that that cause for a variation in how the nutrients actually make it to us 
So our microbiome can actually be the healthiest that it is. Um, so diet, I would say, is number one, because when I notice that I'm getting really stressed or if I'm getting triggered by something that I would, uh, I kind of scratch my head, like, why is this making me so upset? Usually what I do, there's, there's three things that I do. I take a look at how has my diet been recently? Because as, as much as I eat very, very healthy, there are times where all the healthy food is in my refrigerator but I'm only grabbing the quick, easy things for convenience. And that means I'm psychologically not sitting down and taking time with my food, which is a part of, of your diet as well. A lot of people think it's just the mechanics of getting the right nutrients into the body. That's a big part of it. But your psyche is almost doing a magic trick. You know, you are either stressed and watching TV or on the way to work and in traffic while you're shoving your face full of this high sugar, high fat foods. Um, and to think that that's not going to have some kind of effect is, um, is not really looking at the core of what diet is. Diet is also the time that you spend with the food, the, the state that you're the feeling state that you're in. So I would say some of the best thing is number one, look at your diet and look at how you are treating the time where you're actually ingesting that food. And then posture. Take a look at the fact that most of us are sitting hmm. for what is the last average? Somewhere around seven, eight, some all the way up to 12 hours a day. And walking has just become this thing where like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom or I got to get from this chair to that chair. You know, I got to get from this sitting position into my car, into that sitting position so I can go to work and sit in that sitting position for the rest of the day. And posture, I don't know if you know this, you know, Amy Cuddy did a TED talk where two minutes of arms above head, just two minutes of it raises your testosterone significantly and lowers your cortisol, the stress hormone mm. significantly. So if you can hack your hormones body-wide by doing this for two minutes, imagine what sitting in front of a computer for 12 hours a day is doing to you hormonally. And a lot of people's gait cycle is kind of messed up. You go for a walk, you know, you get outside and you go for a walk. There's this group out of uh, LA called the human garage. And they talk about how fascia torques itself through the body. And Fascia is a very intelligent organ. It's made of collagen, ground substance, elastin, and water. And water holds memory. And in many ways, that's the, that's the flow of emotions through the body. And there are many points. And I believe the, you know, the acupressure and acupuncture meridian chart is some say anywhere from like 75 to 95% accurate to the fascial trains that run through the body. And the human garage says that we are torqued in a certain direction. Whereas people in the Northern hemisphere, they have a tight spot in their left hand right here. And in the Southern hemisphere, it's in their right hand. It could be like flushing the toilets. There's that torsion field, whatever it might be. They say that walking helps you untorque it, but you have to do that for six to eight hours, or I'm sorry, six to eight miles a day. Not many people are actually doing that. So when you think of if that's how much walking it takes, and our ancestors did that, they moved anywhere from 12 to 16 miles a day just to look for food. And then when they found food, you know what they did? They squatted and they, they would squat for about an hour, enjoying the food, talking, having community time. 
So that's another thing that we're a little bit devoid of now. So it's your microbiome due to your diet. It's your posture, changing your hormonal, um, your neurotransmitter and hormonal ratios. And then the, the next thing is breath. A lot of us, we, if you're anxious, you're at the top of your breath where your lungs are almost always filled. They're just only exhaling a little and inhaling a little. I, I was just on Timcast IRL. The co-host uh, or the, the other guest was um, Laura Southern. And she was saying, that's what the doc, she thought something was seriously wrong with her. And the doctor was like, you're just not really yeah. exhaling. Think about that. Think about that. And this is a really smart individual. This is how not in tune we are with the most natural things like diet, posture, and breath. So she's experiencing anxiety because she's at the top of her breath. And now imagine if you're all the way at the bottom of your breath and you're not really fully getting that big inhale, that's where depression starts to lie. So we feed into these things. And again, like I was saying in, in the first question, we're looking for all the external factors, like who's doing this to me? Is this Biden's fault? It was this Trump's fault? Is it just capitalism in general? Like, is, is it because I'm a this or I'm a that or, you know, maybe it's astrology and I'm not dogging any of those things. What I am saying is we forget the simple things and we look for the more complex things that you might see, you know, the, the latest article, right? The latest article says that there's this one protein and it's responsible for all this other stuff. And it's like, oh my God, maybe that <laughs> is the one the root of all my problems. When it's like, when was the last time you really checked yeah. in with your breath? How's your diet doing? And how long are you sitting in that sitting uh, posture, especially hyperkyphosis where your back rounds itself out, your shoulders pitch in, it's crunching down your chest. It's pushing your ribs, which aren't expanding with the breath down into your organs. So your diaphragm isn't moving correctly. And your breath is supposed to move into your um, organs below the diaphragm to massage them. This is the natural way. And if you were walking upright more often during the day, you'd probably have that posture a little bit better. So we need to get back to the simple things. And I'm not saying we can't look at the, the complex stuff, but I'll just, I'll just end with this. And this isn't to scare people, but I look a lot at, you know, empires in decline. Um, 250 years is where most empires stop. It's, it's usually the death. And the 250th year um, anniversary or of um, the United States is on 2026. Mm. So we're in the middle of this crisis. There's this average where 250 years is pretty much the life expectancy of any empire. We meet all the criteria, such as the debasement of currency. The, um, and the big thing that I'm getting to is the overcomplexity of bureaucracy. And that bleeds down into people's thought processes in the social level, uh, all, all the way to changing relationships between the empire and friendlies and not so friendlies and then climate changing and um, degradation of the ecosystem. And man, we meet all those criteria, every single one of them. But the thing that I wanted to touch upon with complexity is we, I think one aspect of our anxiety and our confusion and our, the, the muddled thoughts that we have is that we always think it's gotta be more complex than just your breath, your posture and your diet. 
So maybe let's bring yeah. it back there first. Yeah, it's the world. It's the World Economic Forum. It's uh, it's mRNA. Like no, 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 man. It's your <laughs> it's your gut. Fucking Klaus Schwab. <laughs> like, no, it's your breath. <laughs> I, I want to add three more to that because I love those, especially especially posture would would not be something that would that I would think tying into that. But I want to add three more. Um, this episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast is brought to you by Ice Barrel. That's right. You know, maybe you are taking cold showers at home. Maybe you are trying to get that cold exposure, but you just don't have a big enough unit to actually get the full benefits. Well, Ice Barrel is a cold therapy training tool that makes it easy to bring ice baths into your routine. And unlike the bathtub or other um, cold immersion devices, you're upright. So your back is straight, which is a totally different response than laying down on your back in some of the other cold immersion devices. So why would you do it? Better recovery and performance, improved mood and brain function, alleviate depression and anxiety, activating the nervous system, pain management, inflammation reduction, and heart rate variability improvements. I mean, when you really stack it up, this is about the most simple and consistent way for you to get some perspective in your life. And you can get 100% satisfaction, 30-day money-back guarantee, and if you want to make payments on it, that's cool too. You can go as low as $90 a month using their platform, Klarna, which breaks it up into payments. Again, go to icebarrel.com forward slash OPP, and you'll get $125 off when you use the code OPP. Super awesome to have these guys sponsor the podcast. I'm a big fan of the product, so check it out. Sleep, water, and love. You know, we are we are yeah. underslept. We are underrested. We are staying up too late. We're not in circadian rhythm. We're 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 constant. You know, the, the quality of our sleep is is declining. You know, um, it, it's shocking how many experts around the world. When I ask them, like, hey, what's you're going to get this very same question? A lot of them say. Uh, their answer is sleep, sleep. You got to do sleep. You got to figure that out. You got to you know, get, get better at that. That's going to change everything. And water intake, you know, we, we haven't drank tap water at my house for 15 years. You know, we, we spring gather, uh, we're on a well here and it's, you know, uh, softened with reverse osmosis, remineralization. Like I, I started float tank centers. I'm just upset. I'm a Pisces. I, I obsess about water. Like it's, it's, it's critical, you know, put crystals around a, a carboy full of, of well water versus recycled uh, excrement that's run through uh, chlorine and bromine. And it's got, you know, pharmaceuticals and shedding from, you know, the, the, the shots that are now that's just making their way into the system, like birth control and cocaine and you know, amphetamines in, in the water that we drink. And it's such a, it's such a basic, simple thing that I think people don't think about that they're, they're rarely getting their thirst quenched. Rarely do they, do they drink water and they're like, oh, okay, I'm satisfied now. You know, you drink a, a single use plastic water bottle and you, you're curious, you know, you wonder why you're still thirsty afterward. I think, I think water is, is a really critical thing. And then love, you know, love is in, in my mind, number one, it's the most important thing. If you don't have it, if you're not cultivating, if you're not giving it, if you're not receiving it, if you don't know what your love language is, if you don't know how to connect with, with love, you know, I come from a place where uh, love and free will govern the cosmos. And if you've got very little of it in your life, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to raise that vibration where you can do that discernment work. 
Um, so I don't know if you have thoughts on, on those additional three that I laid out. I do. <clears throat> I do. Um, for one, I typically sleep really well. And that is the one that I forget to mention. Um, because for me, it's, it's one of those, um, that I, I wouldn't say I conquered, but I even have, um, twin three-year-old boys that sleep in the same room as me. And they, they wake me up several times throughout the night, but I end up, I, I feel good every single morning. So I, I, I like that you mentioned the sleep thing because I end up forgetting that one just because it's not on my radar as something I need to optimize. Um, the water thing is very interesting because I'm a nerd when it comes to fascia. Uh, I, I know I already mentioned it, but fascia connects is the one organ in the body and it has been deemed now an organ. It has um, nociception and um, it, you know, it, it has sensors in it that allow you to understand where you are in time and space. Um, and it, uh, it also can think and react quicker than the nervous system. The nervous system works at about 250 miles an hour, like a, you know, high-speed Ferrari. The fascial system is fiber optic. It, if you look at it, and there's this film strolling under the skin, you can look at it on YouTube. The fascia is fiber optic and we do produce, produce biophotons. And we know that biophotons and light in general carries with it information. It's always been a mystery as to how something can graze past your foot as you're like, you know, walking barefoot through the grass or something. And you'll react far quicker than a signal could make it up to your brain and back down to your foot. And we've never known how that was until we started to understand fascia. But it's not a separate thinking organism. It is, there is a um, neurofascial interface. There's three parts of the fascia. There's the superficial near the skin. There is the bridge, um, the myelinated sheath of the nerve, which is fascia around the nerve that helps it stay conductive and send that signal back into the spinal column and up into the, your uh, neurology. But then the reason why I am saying all this is because I already said fascia is ground substance, collagen, elastin, and water. Now, anything like LDOA is a really good, um, it's a, basically a method. I think it only has seven moves and it stretches that you do for 60 seconds, but you're basically wringing out all of your fascia like a towel. So it's LDOA, D-O-A. And what they say is that primarily when you do these, the only other thing you have to do is hydrate well, because you're wringing all the water out. You want to bring really good quality water and, and the, you know, the right mineralization structured water back into the body. And that starts to help you process psychological things like even trauma from early childhood, things where trauma is, something where you witness something or you experience something, but then the processing of it, bringing it back full circle back to your baseline was halted before it was brought back to baseline. So those open loops, the body keeps the score. The body remembers exactly where it is. And that's why when you can get on the massage table or myofascial release, and you'll have an emotional moment that brings you back psychologically to a core trauma that you've experienced. That's because the loop is open and you finally move mm -hmm. the water because when fascia gets stuck, it becomes trans, uh, it loses its translucence. It can't move biophotons through there anymore, nor can it move water, which is the emotion. That's what charges. There's literally an electric um, signal trapped in that water. 
So in these tubes, you trap it when you move it. And you can do this by, again, walking six to eight miles a day if you have the time for that you'll start processing. And by the way, if you're doing that, if you're moving and exercising like that, breathing also helps you process that. But so that's what I would have to say about the water is you want to move that water through the system. And as you're doing that, you're excreting it. So drink plenty of water every time you exercise and move your body around. And I would say to, to kind of, when you said the word love, there's two things that came to mind. Like, I also really like the idea mm -hmm. of play. And community came to mind because at least my community, if you have good community, that is not just, I, I don't know if you've heard, you know, relationships, sometimes mutual trauma will, it, like if you both have mutual kinds of trauma, then you will allow the other to have their addictions and avoid healing themselves because they allow the same in you. So they have a drinking problem and you have a drug problem and you don't challenge each other to get better on it because you know if you challenge them they're going to challenge you and you're not ready for it yet because your subconscious mind knows exactly what you're going to have to start processing if you stop running away from the problem so community seems to push us and say like you know i see the higher you i see you in all your highest potential and i also see that you're running away from that and I would hope that if I was having an experience like you, you would do the same for me. Community does that. So I feel like you're avoiding love, right? You don't look me in the eyes when we talk. You know, when I want to give you a hug, it, you know, I can tell you're pensive and you're not really embracing it. No oxytocin is flowing. You're not really doing the thing that the hug is supposed to do. And also, a lot of the times, what does community do when you're anxious and you have all these problems? They're like, you want, do you want to come out and party with me later? Or dude, let's take a walk or yo, let's, let's go out and kick the soccer ball around on the beach. Let's play for a little bit. Let's get some sun. So there's something about that where we are not allowing ourselves to experience the full richness of life because we know we have to experience the healing um, crisis that happens right beforehand. Community helps confront us with, you need to accept love. You know, yes, you're very giving, but you're not receiving any. You have to, because I know you would do the same for me. You would say the same. And it comes back to play as well. So those are my thoughts on that, because like, I think community. Last thing I'll say is um, th there's this I'm forgetting the guy's name, but he's he did a lot of predicting back in the housing bubble days back in 2008, 2009 saying that something's coming in 2020, it's going to be an economic crisis. And it's just, it, you know, how, how do they know this? Because these cycles happen every 80 to 90 years, there's a book called the fourth turning that that specifically points this out. And so he was saying something's coming in 2020, and it's going to dwarf the housing bubble. And people are like, well, what do we do? Do we, you know, invest in, you know, foreign uh markets do we you know like crypto wasn't out but you would imagine people would say do i put my money into crypto or do i diversify my portfolio index funds assets what do i do and he was like mm. community because since the dawn of time crypto will come and it will also go the us dollar has come and it will also go all these things will cycle through but what will not go is the community element to it if there is a huge 
upset in the market or even in the world that's that's coming that's going to dwarf 2020 community is going to be the number one thing and that's not just for apocalyptic um scenarios it's also for the inner apocalyptic scenarios like i don't know who i am anymore i don't know if i want to do any of this i'm thinking of leaving my family and just running off into the woods and waiting this whole thing out by the way i've had people say this to me because of my films and i've had to say like listen don't leave your family. I, I guarantee you're going to regret all these decisions when you make rash decisions because of a temporary uh, crisis. Community, talk to your friends, talk to your family, be open and honest and acknowledge that there's something you're missing that they have the answers for. And you'll resonate with it when they give you the right answer. So you know the answer, but you won't admit it to yourself. You need to hear somebody else echo it to you. Community mm-hmm. is what does that. So I definitely, I love the love thing because community will always mm-hmm. check you on that. It's just like, you know, why aren't you in it? Why, why isn't your heart in it when we're talking or we're hugging or when we're having sharing circle? So those are all really mm-hmm. important as well. well said. You know, this, this topic that I've, that I've been talking uh, about a little bit with some of my friends who are, who are healers and, uh, and shaman have been focusing um, really closely, just so adept at, at understanding people and this idea of community and helping people grow and helping people stay accountable. And this is a kind of antithetical to that. And this is certainly tangential to where we're going, but I, I really want to hear your take on it. Um, what what's come up recently is that uh, even if you have the discernment, whether you have the discernment or not to make smart choices for yourself and your family, your, uh, your health freedom, your bodily sovereignty, you know, whether or not you are, you know, giving yourself the best chance to succeed, to, to elevate your vibration so you can make choices and, uh, and, and, and survive in the next couple of decades. And this idea comes up, which is, you know, some people are just making choices that are going to fuck them up. They're making choices with their own free will that is going to hurt them, that might kill them, that might kill their family, that might really put, uh, put a dark stamp on their lineage. And this idea that I'll, I'll, I'll give it a little bit more color. So, you know, there's, there's people that they constantly go to ayahuasca retreats, right? It's like their thing, right? It's like they work really hard, they save their money, and then they go to X retreat center or Y retreat center. And the shaman keep pouring, right? You know, welcome back. Here's another cup. Welcome back. Hey, it's been a couple of weeks. Welcome back. Uh, you know, let alone doing it in a skyscraper in New York pouring for people and the shaman in uh, who have been doing this um, in lifetimes. Uh, it's part of their lineage. It's an obligation to them. It's not like they want to be doing this. They have to be doing this to survive and to keep the balance um, in the, in the world. They'll say they keep showing up. I keep pouring. They keep getting worse and worse and worse. They feel like they need more ayahuasca. They feel like they need more psychedelics and the attitude of some of these uh, practicing ayahuascaros is like, that's their, that's their path. Their path is to go deeper and deeper into darkness. Their path right now is this sort of suicide mission 
where they're making these choices, I'm going to still keep pouring for them. It's not up to me to say, hey, you better stop. Hey, maybe don't come back next month for your 30th weekend here at, you know, I won't name any places, but that the, the, the onus on each of us is to make these choices for us. And, and, and this is where it gets even darker is there are people in my family who have made certain choices about their health that makes me really sad because the writing is on the wall. And I'm struggling with this notion that in this life, maybe they've made that choice to screw themselves a little bit. And maybe that's what they need to do in this go round. When you're talking about community and supporting and, and saying, you know, calling people out saying, Hey, you know, I want to help you, but some people don't want to be helped or some people's path maybe in this lifetime is to just downward spiral. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've thought about that or have, uh, have a response. Well, for sure. I mean, like to, to say that we fully know, like we may have notions, but to say that we fully know what we're meant to do in life, especially what others are meant to do in life is just horseshit. Um, we, a lot of the times we come up with, we draw upon what makes us feel stable, ergo safe, and that life is predictable and we know how to manage outcomes. So from that, from this, and I'm not saying controlling life is a bad thing. I think it's also a part of the learning curve. You know, we do this, we like stability, we like peace, but we also, when in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, when we've met that feeling of safety, we go out and we explore and what do we do more of? We risk. Mm. So when you see that there are other people around taking risks that we wouldn't take, sometimes we feel like that makes me feel less stable. And especially if they're in my environment and it could affect me, um, but even if it's just, I have to watch them go down this path. And a lot of the times we think we understand where those decisions and where that path will lead them. And I know for a fact that I've, I've gotten into some um, addictions uh, and I'm not just talking about substances. I'm talking about like paths on my life where I'm like, I have to, this is my calling. And then two years later, I'm like, whoa, I know I needed to do that, but that was just something that happened for me to learn this very valuable lesson that I'm learning right now. You can think you are right. And all the books that you read, all the podcasts you listen to will validate that you are right and you're doing the right thing. And for some reason, there's still this little thing. There's this little thing that just feels like, why does this feel so fucked up? Why does the world seem so unable to, to, uh, wrap their heads around the same peace and health and path towards those things that I have. And so uh, I guess my thoughts on that are, I absolutely agree that people are going to make the decisions that ultimately they resonate with and to be there for them and to love them through that path and to hold it, not to try and fix it for them. I mean, man, if you, if you've, like 
if you know the the dynamics between men and women, when like women say like, here's something that I'm struggling with. And a man is like, all right, X, Y, and Z, this is what we're going to do to fix this. And the woman's like, can you just shut up and listen? You know, just shut up, listen and nod. Like that'll make me feel better. And I had the same thing with my brother where he and I were talking about some of our shared struggles. And I think there's a key right here that I want to get to. We were sharing our struggles and we share the same kinds of struggles. And then there's some struggles that we don't share personally, but like he and his relationship and me and my relationship, the poles are flipped. So I related to his um, wife and he was relating to my wife more. And like, there's something perfect in this, but it wasn't like we were saying, well, here's what we should do, right? We should do this, that, and the other. And bam, solves the problem. Because at the end of the day, I think all of us know on some conscious level, we just we don't really just want others to solve our problems for us. And just look at the lottery example. How many people win the lottery and it doesn't solve a damn problem that they that they thought money would solve? Somebody just won, some woman just won the, I, I forget the mega millions. It was $1.33 billion. This was just yesterday or something like that. Um, I, I'd be interested to see how that like changes this person's life. And I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't, you know, create massive amount of opportunity that most people don't have, but there's some kind of hint in that, that having your problems solved for you doesn't solve the problem in the school of life, right? It, you know, if, if you have a, a test and your life's purpose is to solve this test. Let's just say it's like a, you know, multiple, you know, multiple choice test on paper. And somebody comes up and says, yo, I got all the answers for you. And they just hand you the page with all the answers. It doesn't, it solves the problem in an illusion of all the people around you. It solves that problem, but you learned nothing. And then you hold that seed of, I, I cheated. I didn't do it the way that I was meant to. Now extrapolate that out to, let's say, you know, um, we chose this on a soul level. We chose all of our struggles on a soul level before coming here. Our soul, when we cheat to get the, the, you know, the externalized look of the solution that we wanted, your soul shakes its head, right? Just like your higher self outside the simulation was like, oh my God, now it's going to take you another, I don't know, 10, 15 years to realize that that was not the way and, and the reward you got for it is not a blessing. It's a curse. So, so humility, there's, there's the one thing I'll say to what you were saying, because I see all the same telltale signs that you're talking about. Um, you know, people constantly going back to medicine, thinking that this external thing is going to solve the internal problem when really it's, it's your fortitude. It's you acknowledging it's me. I chose my way into this. I must choose my way out of this. And nothing else but that one thing can help. Nothing else will help. And if I let something else help, that's just kicking the can down the road. Now I have to walk all the way down the road to get back to the same problem and go through the same shit that I avoided last time. Humility, acknowledging that being able to say, I don't know. Like, I don't even know who I am. But when you say that, when you say, I admit, I don't even know who I am, your soul is like, oh, finally, we're getting somewhere, 
right? Because when you admit the most fundamental thing, I don't even know who I am, then you didn't box it up into it's like, here's my solution. It's boxed up. What does that mean? It's rigid. It's unchanging. You're not allowing the external forces and the natural flow, the Tao of life to evolve it. You've boxed it. You've turned it into something. But when you say, who am I? Then you're inviting infinity. I don't even know. You can tell me I'm a platypus and I'll listen because I don't understand how that might actually trigger something inside me to be like, oh, I, I choose who I am, right? You know, and right now I'm a platypus because I can't tell if I'm a duck or I'm a mole or a beaver or what, you know, it's like, so, so that to me is humility, understanding that the things we think we know, we don't. And much of the time, I won't say all of the time because I'm weary about, you know, making those absolutes, but much of the time when we're convinced about something, we're actually holding on to something that we're meant to crack open. We're actually pouring concrete over and making far more solid the thing that we want to become malleable and evolve through life rather than something that's going to take five million years to, to break back down into its base constituents again so you can re-examine, oh, that wasn't me to begin mm -hmm. with. Yeah, I like that's that a I lot. I like that a lot. Yeah, and if you can, if you can engage with that process with a little bit of levity, a little bit of gratitude, like, Hey, I get to do all this. I get to, I get to struggle. You know, I get to, I get to learn these hard lessons. I get to, uh, I get to get freaked out. I get to experience the fullness of my human experience. It's, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's particularly common, but I, I would encourage everybody to just try it, you know, to have, have some joy and some humor and some gratitude for the struggle you're in. You know, you see people who, you know, experienced, you know, traumatic abuse as a child and the different trajectories that people take, you know, some folks that activates uh, a perspective that leads to mastery. And for some folks that that activates perspective that leads to addiction and, and self-abuse. And, and when you can, you can zoom out a little bit and just say like, Man, isn't this weird? Isn't this isn't isn't this bizarre that we're going through this right now? Isn't this ridiculous that I have to be thinking about X and Y, and to have a little have a little fun with it, and get some sleep, take care of your gut, you know, like watch your posture, get the steps in, uh, makes that process a lot uh, a lot not easier necessarily, but but more meaningful and more depth. And I, you know, in in the work that I do as a coach, uh, and, and um, you know, doing a lot of, of work with psychedelics with people, uh, that we got to shift things. We've got to shift our perspectives a little bit in order to, to, to see the, the, the gift of this life that we're in with all of its bumps and bruises, you know? Mm. That's the point of psychedelics to begin with is to break you away from baseline. And, you know, a lot of people think that staying at baseline is the way. And that's, that's uh, antithetical to life, right? All things change. And in fact, you know, um, I get lumped into categories and I'm okay with it because I see that it's also, it's just the way as of right now. But, you know, when I, the, when I talk about things that are going on in the world, I get lumped into categories and I only open my mouth to correct people when it comes to like what would be a, a harmful 
stereotype, which is interesting because those who feel they're afflicted most by harmful stereotypes are the ones who point the finger out at other people and complain about harmful stereotypes. And I have no bones about saying that because that's not typecasting any one particular kind of person. That's everybody. That's everybody. And, you know, the, the, the right, political right, believes that they are in danger because of the left. And the left thinks the same exact thing. And if you actually look, they are so similar. They are so similar. The way they go about changing problems, the way they go about assigning blame, the way they go about understanding what the right thing to do is and what the wrong thing to do is. And this is why I love being able to step outside of arguments and see what is the uniting language? What, you know, what is the actual bond that's shared here? And so one thing I was talking about, so I was just on TimCast. If people know who Tim Pool is, he, um, he, he calls himself a little bit more left when he's talking about policy and stuff like that. But most people just lump him into the category of the right because he's talking about woke. He's talking about some of the, you know, the, some of the things that are creeping into Hollywood. And, um, what I do is the first thing I focus on is if this were a movie and I'm trying to figure out the twist in the plot before they reveal it in the movie, then I wouldn't be so emotionally invested in, you know what, I agree with that character or I agree with that character. So somebody was talking about the, um, and I'm not going to remember all the letters and numbers, but LGBTQA plus or one plus, now there's there's an I and maybe a number or something like that. Um, so somebody was talking about that and uh, was really, really passionate on one side. And I won't even get into that, but like really, really passionate about like, you know, it, here is the problem and here is the way to solve it. And I was really just like asking questions. I was thinking like, you know, so what has convinced you that that's actually the problem? You know, and like, I just kind of started bringing it further out. And I was like, you know, to me personally, if I were to take a non-invested in one side or the other approach to see what is, if God were doing this, what is the point of this whole debate if God were doing this? And it wouldn't just be that, you know, gender fluidity is to help us choose different avatars once we get into the metaverse. Right. You know, that's that's like the the distilled version is like, you know, and, and there's a difference between biological gender and a state of your acceptance or identification of who you believe you are. The, the psychology of it won't even go there. The main thing that I'm looking at is there are people that are so convinced they know what like, well, here's a threat. And if we let this threat go unchecked, then here's what it will turn into. And what I say is like, you know, do you remember the last time you tried to gain another 15,000 followers on YouTube and it didn't go the way that you wanted it to? There's an algorithm. There are formulas to help you figure that out. And the people like in YouTube that will allow that, they will fully admit this is how you gain more subscribers. Yet you couldn't figure that out. But for some reason, you're absolutely convinced that if this problem goes unchecked for three generations, this is the kind of world that we're going to have. You believe yourself, don't you? You're convinced about that, aren't you? And that's what I see, again, is the, the accountability should really be on 
Now, I'm not saying we can't have our ideas and our beliefs, and I, I believe that we should voice them, but there's a difference. When you're absolutely convinced about a way that things are going and you feel that there's a threat, I need to warn people because there's a threat. Think of what happens to your voice. Think of what happens to your facial expressions, your body language, and what happens when even if you say, now I'm not picking on this group, but look at how ridiculous their ideas are and blah, 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 blah. It's just like, okay, you could, you could have phrased it differently. You could have chosen different words. And it, all it really is, is it's evident. You're trying to say something and you're trying because you think since you're delivering it the way it is in your head, that people are going to receive it the exact same way. So you don't realize that what you did is you repackaged the problem and put it in somebody else's court for them to realize their accountability by shirking off your own accountability. So like, for me, this is, this is what I'm starting to like, just start to tease apart. I'm not even saying I'm at the end of it, but when I see people like either complaining about woke or adopting woke, complaining about climate change deniers or adopting climate change narrative, complaining about what's happening with COVID and Fauci and Biden and Bill Gates and all these things, or adopting the opposite view, I always look at like, whoa, that's a little too binary. If you step out and see what, why would God have it such a way, then it really does make me chuckle because it's like, oh, it's the way that I'm like, you know how this, if I choose to do this, I'm changing my hormones. Well, if I choose to have this thought of here's a threat and here's what's going to happen if I don't start using my voice to wake people up, if I'm doing it because I'm convinced there's a threat, then what's happening is I don't realize that I'm actually amplifying the polarity of that. Because if I have this belief of LGBTQA plus and, and they have this belief, then the more I try and get logical and point out their idiosyncrasies, the more they're not actually going to listen because what they're really hearing underneath is you didn't really hold space to hear what I'm trying to say. You didn't really hold space for me. So maybe you have logic and now I'm pissed that you took so much time to get such good logic that I don't want to listen to another word that you say because I know for a fact you didn't hold the space of what I was really saying. So what I believe is if we were to soften up and actually listen to the enemy, actually listen to the enemy, then they won't feel like screwing up the third generation down the line. They, they wouldn't feel like so angry, right? They wouldn't have such venom. Maybe they would feel like, oh, finally, I'm, I'm heard. All my anger and that resentment comes from this pain and this sadness of feeling like I don't know who I am oh shit, I don't even know who I am. And that's why I was trying to find a camp or a category that I feel is underprivileged and underappreciated and sometimes demonized because I feel that way. That's why I resonate with that. Maybe I don't have to cut my genitalia off. And I'm not saying that in a, in a crude way, but I am saying that there are definitely people that have gone to the extent of castrating themselves and then come to realize, oh my God, I think I went too far. And, and, they, and they have to go through some kind of surgery to reattach. And again, I, I won't get into it because I don't stand on one side or the other. The last time I did ayahuasca, there were people that I knew have views that were 
polar to where I had come from my past. But none of my thoughts and none of my beliefs were like, oh, I need to find a way to help them, right? Like they're the sick one and I'm the healthy one. So I need to help them realize the error of their ways. All I could feel in that medicine was, oh my God, I feel your pain. It, it, it doesn't even need a name. It doesn't need those letters. It doesn't need any of that because underneath it, it's timeless. It existed before any of these ideas came around. I feel you and you know what? I'm just going to hold that pain. And if, if, you, if, if I would know that you would allow it, I would just hold you and allow you to hold me so I can see what it is that I'm not admitting to myself is my form of castrating myself because, because nobody understands me. Nobody understands my pain and the sorrow that I rarely bring to the surface in its authenticity. I just put a category or a label on it. And then we argue about the labels and we never truly listen to one another. That's, that's what I see as the core of it is we're, we're turning into the persecutor, the executioner, the judge, the finger pointer. Like I know the problem and I'm going to point at it. And I'm sorry, I don't hate you, but every decision you made and all the letters you applied to you and all that stuff, that's the problem. Maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the problem is if I was speaking a different language and blah, 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 blah. What does this look like? You, you still understand what I'm doing, right? You can hear a couple arguing in a different language. You can tell which one's being unreasonable and which one's trying to calm the thing down, right? I think we need to get back to that. We need to actually listen to other people, especially the enemy. What do I have to learn here? What if this was an important part of my and the planet's evolution? What if this was designed this way? That changes everything. It totally flips your preconceptions upside down. It's allowing for more space, more nuance, more possibility, and it takes a sting out of it, right? Yeah, have you seen Raya the last Raya yeah. and the Last Dragon? Yeah. It's a Disney movie. I do. Yeah, kids, yeah, right? nine, nine and six. Okay, I have twin three-year-old boys and a seven-year-old daughter, so we've seen it like thirty times by now. Um, at the very end, I just want to, you know, I, and I, I don't want to spoil this. Um, just I'm wondering say spoiler I, alert. You're good. Okay, spoiler alert. You skip to forty-five seconds from now. At the end. The whole thing is that there, there were these dragons and that there's this problem called the Droon and the Droon comes and it just destroys. It just destroys. And the only thing that could stop it is this, this crystal made by the dragons, but it was broken because people thought that the crystal itself had the value and they didn't realize that it's actually unity. It represents the unity of people understanding and just being one, even with their diversity. So it cracked apart. And all these different tribes had a piece of it. And at the end, they realized like it's, it's the all is lost moment. The Droon is just about to win. And it turns you to concrete. You know, it just turns you into stone. It, and, and Raya at the end is like, wow, you know, I, I realized what has to happen here. We have to trust one another. We have to put these pieces back together. And that will, you know, like that will create the solution. And everyone else is like, after what she's done, the bad guy, after what she's done, we'll never trust her. And so Raya is finally like, again, spoiler, 
well, let me take the first step. She goes and she hands her piece away and the Druun takes her and she turns into stone. The whole moral of that story to me in what we're talking about here is she sacrificed. Like when people are like, if we let this, you know, LGBTQ thing, or if we let this woke thing go too far, what's going to happen? The worst case scenario. Well, you know what? Maybe own it, accept the worst case scenario to do the right thing once. Mm -hmm. And what she did was I will turn to stone. Worst case scenario, I will turn to stone so I can trust somebody once mm -hmm. in my life. And, you know, so it works out, you know, spoiler, it works out. And to me, that's like, wow, you know, what if my fear of not stopping those people because of the problem that I see them creating, what if I don't realize I'm the one creating it? And me giving up this, this fight, giving up this whole illusion will stop them from creating whatever it is that they're doing in, in a commensurate way on the opposite end of that charge. And you can change the entire universe by making that one decision, by really trusting, you know, who's the enemy? You know what? Maybe the enemy is the psychological feeling that there's an enemy here. Like Charles Eisenstein saying this us versus them. Maybe that's the parasite. Maybe that's the real epidemic here. And maybe there's all these things that we can point to in the external world that that's mm. the problem. When at the end of the day, we don't even know who we are. What if we're fucking magicians? What if we are all magicians and there's not a single, and let me just say it, maybe there's not a single jab, maybe there's not a single country or a Putin, maybe there's not a single epidemic that is more dangerous than a mind and a heart that hasn't accepted their higher potential, that we can solve all these problems without pointing outwards, but by actually going inward. And I'm just saying, what if, right? Because I understand I can't solve everyone's deep-seated fears for them, but I'm just saying, what if, consider it for a moment, that it's not actually you needing to change the left or you needing to change the right, or it's not actually Trump's fault it's not actually Biden's fault. It's not China. It's not Putin and Russia. It's that people are not accepting the onus of responsibility inside themselves. And people, we need to have more of an example like Raya, where we actually step up and be like, I will make the ultimate sacrifice like Christ. I will sacrifice everything to show you that we're magicians and that we can overcome this. So I hate to do such like a, you know, a, a movie style rant, but like, I believe it. I love, I, I love how you're, you're, you're illustrating these ideas with, with references, obviously as a documentarian, um, it's, it's in your wheelhouse to do that. And, and, I, and I also want to shed light on the fact that, you know, for everybody listening right now, what Ben is doing is he's asking important questions, right? He's, he's. He's not pretending to have all of the answers. You're asking important questions. You're considering the third side of the coin. And that, that ability to challenge your own beliefs and thought processes will make you a happier, healthier, more well-adjusted person. Uh, get in the habit of asking 
asking really hard questions, metaphysical, esoteric questions, practical questions, questions about your own perception. It's just more interesting, you know, when obviously as a documentarian, uh, as a, as a, this massive content creator, you're, you're constantly asking hard questions, you know, as a, as a, as a coach, as a consultant, as a podcaster, I'm at, that's what, that's all I do all day is ask, ask questions, ask hard questions. And in that way, when you ask these questions, all these other potential possibilities come in and you can entertain them. You can play with them. You can, you can mold them. You can attach to them for a second and then let them go. It just makes your, makes your life more interesting. Um, you know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about the, the adage of uh, I'd rather be a, a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And as we head toward what seems to be <laughs> the four horsemen, um, you know, famine, war, pestilence, what's the fourth one? Is it death? Oh, um, the, the pale horse. Uh, somebody's like, I, somebody's saying it in their <laughs> mind right now. as we uh as we as we prepare for whatever comes next this 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 idea that i've been developing you know the catalyst for for moving out here for for having land and gardens and a water source is 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 to prepare is to is to um um give myself and my family the best chance to 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 not only survive but thrive and i don't know if if that if that resonates with you, this, you know, this warrior in a garden idea, but I'm curious about, about what you are thinking about what you are doing practically to prepare your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, your family, your, your food for whatever comes next. Maybe we're going to get the, maybe it's, maybe the, Finally, we're going to get the the alien disclosure we've been waiting for, which unites humanity. Maybe, you know, um, maybe it's something else. But I'm curious about if that resonates with you and what sort of things you're doing to prepare for uh, the next 5, 10, 20 years. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I really take a look at um, the day as a template. And like uh, Aubrey Marcus wrote a book called Own the Day. And the whole concept for it is like, don't try to master your life, master the day. Understand what helps you in a day because you'll repeat this many, many times, like that day template. And so what I do is really I treat every day like a brand new canvas. Not that I can't build upon the last one, but... um, it really is a template. So when I wake up, I really try to treat every morning like this is the start of a song. How do I want to start the tone? This is the start of a movie. Like what's what's the initial impulse? And I I generally like I sit up on my bed and I just give thanks. And I don't know what challenges I'm going to face, but I'm damn sure I'm going to face a challenge today because without fail, especially as a parent, there's always a challenge. There's always some kind of crisis or meltdown. And with that, I look for the challenge with gratitude. I don't try and find out how can I alleviate it? Maybe can I avoid it? I've realized through all the templates that I've gone through in the past, 
that doesn't seem to work. It's actually like I'm eager to find what that obstacle, what that challenge is. And, um, you know, the, the practicalities of it is like first thing I do in the morning is I make myself a water drink. It's just, you know, lukewarm uh, spring water. I put a dash of Himalayan sea salt, a little bit of lemon. Sometimes I put a little bit of uh, apple cider vinegar and then some trace minerals in it. And then I stir it in one direction for 20 seconds, you know, or, you know, I may like shake it around right next to my heart while just focusing on it. Like, you know, again, you know, the heart, we don't know exactly what it is. We don't know what the human body truly is. We're still discovering these things, but I know that when you focus on something, even quantum mechanics, it, it says that we have that effect. So I focus on just pure love and openness and humility while I'm stirring it in one direction. And then I stop and then I start stirring it in the other direction, which helps charge it. It structures the water, I should say. And I drink it and all I'm thinking about while I'm drinking it is gratitude for what's coming and a washing away of anything that's been holding me back from the past. And that's just one very practical way of starting the day psychologically and practically you're hydrating yourself, you know, first thing in the morning. And from there, I engage in work because I'm the type of person that if I don't start immediately hopping into some kind of like productive way to connect with my community through the web, then um, I start, I, I just notice the natural tendency is for me to feel like I haven't done anything today. So even if it's small, even if it's just writing a blog and getting it out there, I, I do something that I feel good about. And then I got to balance that with family, you know, so I'll go and I'll play with my kids for a little bit. Even if I have to get back to work, I just do that for a little bit as early as I can in the day to keep setting the tone for the rest of the day of this balance. But then the main thing is there are periods of time where I struggle with, I feel this way, or I'm thinking this way about a topic or you know, something that's going on in the world. And so what I've learned to do is identify where I naturally lean. Where's the path of least resistance? This is where I naturally lean. Okay, what's the polar opposite of that? And when you said at the very beginning, holding two ideas at the same time, uh, I, I think it was Socrates that said, if you believe everything that you hear, but you also disbelieve everything you hear simultaneously, then you are skeptical to a healthy degree and you're open-minded to a healthy degree. But if you don't hold both, then the extreme of skepticism is cynicism, is where you don't believe anything regardless of the, the facts or the, the evidence. And gullibility is the extreme of open-mindedness where you believe everything regardless of the evidence. And so for me, it's not about finding the one thing that's right. It's about understanding the whole organism and the yin-yang of it. Like, how does it balance itself? And so what I do is I, I go into that dance of what I call the dueling dragons, right? That, you know, one moves left, the other just naturally has to move right. You know, you have water in a pitcher or, or in, in a jar and like the water's all black and then it's, you know, it's air above it. Well, you turn it upside down, the same thing happens. Like the air just moves to the top and the water just moves to the bottom. So they, they hold some kind of balance with one another. The same with our ideas, the same with our thoughts. And Alan Watts does, you know, speaks to this much better than I could. But that's, 
the practicalities for me is every single day is a template. You can do something, you can move yourself deeper into the discovery of who you truly are, which is, it's not like my goals. I'm moving towards my goals. Well, my goal is to discover mm -hmm. who I truly am. So like the more that I engage with this template in a way, in a fresh way, I hydrate in the morning because your brain needs it, your body needs it. And then I engage with my family and I engage with work. That's kind of like a binary um, yin yang thing. And then I take a look at the world. What's the world struggling with? right now. And I take a look at its balancing points. So that, that to me is it, you know, I try not to hyper-focus. I try to broaden and understanding, you know, if, if one thing seems like it's in pain, why would God allow that? If one thing seems like it's perfect, oh, I should just ride that wave. Why would God mm -hmm. allow that? Why would God allow that perfection, right? There's, there's a learning curve coming at the end of this, you know, gluttony of pleasure, mm -hmm. right? So, that to me, you know, I tried to say it as practically yeah. as possible, but that's like a template of my day. And then every single day I wake up with the, the, the following day, I wake up with two things in mind and I purposely kept this to the end. I wake up with this in mind that even though I thought this yesterday, who am I today? What do I believe today? Even though this is what I was working on yesterday, how do I come to understand whether that really is the direction for me or if it's not? And some people, they fear that because it feels like all the progress you make, you're just unraveling it the next day. You braid it up and then the next day you're just like ripping it apart so you could do something different with it. And a lot of people feel like, you know, well, you're never going to get anywhere in life with that. And I highly mm -hmm. disagree. I highly disagree because there's certain things I can't not do. I can't stop making film. I can't unravel that and be like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to go outside and start digging holes in the backyard. It's like, no, I can't stop <laughs> making films. So stay true to what it is you can't not do, right? Stay true to that. But everything else, let it just disintegrate back into the earth. We could go for hours and hours. We really could. Um, what a great way to start the week, Ben. This is I'm, I'm so, so grateful for, for this exchange and for, for you to share your wisdom with, with everyone listening. Uh, before I ask the last question, which is a fill in the blank question, um, where should people go? I'm, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening, shaking their head right now going, yeah, I like that. I like this guy. This is great. Well, where, where would you send them and, and what, what are you working on now? Okay. Yeah. Go to benjosephstewart.com. That's um, B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H-S-T-E-W-A-R-T.com, benjosephstewart.com. That has all my content. So I have a member section where people can sign up and they can get stuff that, you know, cancel culture is, is still kind of alive, even though it's not as alive as it was not too long ago. But I, I started my member section so I could say what I really believe, regardless of what platforms are saying yes or no to that kind of content. Um, so you can sign up, become a member, and you can get access to weekly um, documentary style content that I make that I, I put my heart and soul into. There's awakening protocols that allows people to basically just focus on their own the, the practical steps towards their higher potential and really discovering who they are. And then also deeper dives where I'm just talking about the world. Like, you know, is Google's AI chatbot really sentient? Those kinds mm -hmm. of topics. Um, so go to benjosephstewart.com, but you can also please find me on instagram.com backslash 
Ben Joseph Stewart or youtube.com backslash Ben Joseph Stewart. That's where I post most of my stuff. And please reach out to me if you have thoughts, concerns, comments, questions, whatever. And um, what I'm working on right now, uh, I can't hop into the topic of it, but I'll be um, releasing here soon, or I'm, I'm jumping into a film with Tim Pool here soon. And I just finished one with Aubrey Marcus called Awake in the Darkness, where he went into a darkroom retreat for six days and just had an incredible journey. And this is probably the highlight of my film career, because how do you show somebody in the darkness for six days? Well, we overlay it with animations and things like that, but it's probably my best editing work to date and maybe soundtrack work to date. Um, so go check that out at aubreymarcus.com. And um, if you want to see some of my latest work on my YouTube channel, I did a short documentary with Charles Eisenstein called And the Music Played the Band. And right before that is a documentary about endogenous DMT, how, how your brain actually produces the most powerful psychedelic. Um, and that's called DMT Quest. That's gone viral on uh, YouTube. So you can check all that stuff out there. Awesome. There's... And, and that, I mean, there, and there's a thousand other things that you've done that people might resonate with there. It's, there's so much content, you know, if, if you're, if you're vibing with it, go, go explore and enjoy because there's a lot there. So this, this brings us to uh, the last question, which is a fill in the blank question. And this can be based on anything or anything specific or, or broad that, that you wish to share can be based on any of your experience and you can elaborate as much or as little as you wish, but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. Hmm. There's something that comes immediately to mind uh, and it's going to seem too simple. Um, everyone would benefit from knowing thyself. And I'll just briefly give context to it, even though the bulk of this, you know, podcast has been that context. Um, I really like Charles Eisenstein. Yeah. If you haven't been able to tell, I, I bring him up quite often, but I, I heard him answer this at the end of wise traditions podcast. And he said, you know, like they ask, like, what's what's the one thing people can do to improve their health and their life? And he was like, avoid anybody who has the one thing you can do <laughs> to improve your health and your life. And he said, you know, like, or at least run it past your intuition first. But I like that because, you know, it's the for the most part, if I were to say anything other than know thyself, then there's a way that it's going to be right for a lot of people. And there's no way that it won't be wrong for a lot of people. That's just the nature of language. That's the nature of this 3D reality that we find ourselves in. So when I say everyone would benefit from knowing thyself, I can't see any reality in which that's not true. It's not a roadmap because that's, oh, that's easy. That's kind of like saying like, yo, dude, you should come to this party. It's the best party in the world. Okay, how do I get there? Uh, well, I don't know, and I can't tell you. you know, there's probably a billion ways and I can't narrow it down for you. Uh, okay, but it's awesome and you should find yourself over here, right? So knowing thyself 
simply it's just a philosophical way to say keep going deeper in asking the questions of what does this mean who am i why is any of this happening in the first place like right why why is there life why is anything getting up and moving and doing anything at all so who am i why am i here why do i experience reality from this perspective from my meat suit and then on top of that then once you get to those two questions it's like what am i supposed to do well the journey towards self is the journey of answering those and i'll just i'll end by saying when when i say answering the question of who am i it actually looks closer to unraveling the answers that you've had in the past so unravel the answers that you've given yourself to who am i Oh, I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a left winger, I'm a right winger, I'm anti this, I'm pro that. If you can unravel it, unravel it. If you can't unravel it, then you're starting to hear the whisper of the universe answering the question, this is who you are. Ben Joseph Stewart, thank you for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. It's a pleasure, man, my honor.